0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 228. For many cruisers, the opportunity to go somewhere for adults only is a welcome sight. Royal Caribbean Solarium is one such area, which offers a kid-free area of the pool deck. What is the Solarium all about? Who can go there? And what are the differences are the sort of questions we will tackle in this week's episode? Here we go. When you go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, you know there's something to do for everybody in the family, whether you're a toddler, teenager, adult, older adult, even older adults, no matter what age, there's something going on, including an adults-only area on many Royal Caribbean ships known as the solarium. And this week's episode, we're going to be talking about just that, Royal Caribbean solarium. This actually was inspired by a Royal Caribbean blog podcast listener, Jose Pena, who sent me an email and says, good morning, Matt. Uh, I have a podcast episode suggestion. Why don't you do a top five solarium on Royal Caribbean? Not sure if you've done that, or you can do a podcast about solariums in general, like the differences of solariums on different ships. And Jose, you're totally right. Here in the middle of winter, we got to be thinking about the place on board to sit out there, sun yourself, and hop in the pool or cool yourself down on in Royal Caribbean solarium. The solarium is a very popular area. Basically, a solarium on Royal Caribbean is an adult-only pool area where you have to be at least 16 years old. In some rare cases, the solarium will open up for guests under the age of 16, provided they are directly supervised by a parent or guardian. This often happens in places where the main pool is out of commission because of cold weather. And the solarium, which is sometimes, not always, but sometimes enclosed and thus more open or more available for swimming in colder climates, uh, is the only pool available on the ship. Now, the solarium often includes a pool, hot tub, seating area, and a bar, and a nice difference between the solarium and the main pools are that Royal Caribbean tends to have cushioned lounge chairs available to use in the solarium, so what that means is if you go out to the main pool, you have your standard lounge chairs, whereas the lounge chairs in the solarium can sometimes have a padded cushion to them, which makes them simply more comfortable. In addition, the solarium on most ships is glass canopy to ensure the area is a little bit warm. The glass keeps the heat in, and often the solarium is one of the warmest spots on board the ship. When you go on a Royal Caribbean ship in the Caribbean, especially during the warm months of the year, the solarium can be downright Really hot, more so than the main pool, which has a lot more open – it's open air, so there's a lot more ventilation. Uh, but it may or may not be a problem. Some people like it a little warmer than others. Some people like it hot, as they say, and other people not so much. But So how is the solarium different across the ships? It Basically, the layout and features of the solarium – very generally speaking, by classes of ship. So in general, the solarium has got a lot larger and offered to more guests in larger and newer Royal Caribbean ships. Most solarium pools are a single waiting pool, whereas on quantum-class ships, the solarium features a series of cascading lagoons in the center where guests can swim. Some solariums have a retractable roof, whereas on other ships it is more of a fixed roof. On Harmony of the Seas, there is actually no, no pool in the solarium at all. There's just hot tubs, and there is where the pool would be there is a mister kind of thing where you basically walk in. It's kind of like a human car wash. You walk in and you get saturated with water and then you walk back to your chair. The idea that you can just literally cool off and then go back. Why is there not a pool on Harmony of the Seas? It's been a question that's been asked for a long time. I don't know that I've ever heard a reliable answer for it, more just speculation, but Harmony is the only of the Oasis class ships that's like that. Oasis and, and Allure of the Seas both have conventional pools in there. Generally speaking, the pools are pretty small in the Solarium on, on real Caribbean ships in general, regardless of which one you're talking about. The Quantum class and the Oasis class have slightly larger ones. In fact, the, because the Quantum class is cascading, means it, it's on multiple levels, it, it's... I think it's a little bit larger uh, in terms of space and more opportunity for you to hop in there. Uh, The Majesty of the Seas does not have a solarium at all. So kind of putting that out there. Now, if you're wondering where the solarium is located, they're basically, here's a breakdown by class ships where the solarium is located. On Vision class ships, it's deck nine, middle of the ship. Radiance class, deck 11 forward, Voyager class, deck 11 forward, Freedom class, deck 11 forward, Oasis class, deck 15 forward, and Quantum class, deck 14 forward. And, of course, the use of the Solarium is completely complementary, which means there's no cost to use it. It's just another pool in there. And the, the main attraction of the Solarium, quite honestly, is the fact that it is for adults only. It is an adults-only refuge. Uh, certainly, you can walk through the area with your kids. You know, it's, for a lot of times, it's kind of the best way of getting from point A to point B. So that's okay. So not to say you can't bring your kids in there at all. It's not like it's a casino or something like that where they're forbidden to walk through it. But the idea is, and you'll see signs posted around that it's for uh, adults. Usually they post the age 16 and above for them to be able to enjoy that area uh, for adults. And you know, really, it's it's more of a relaxing area. It's supposed to be anyway. I don't know how. <laughs> that that really is the case. I guess it depends on the clientele that happen to be there. It's certainly very popular. Again, for a couple of reasons. Number one, chief among them, I really do believe some people just want to have a quieter environment. So if there's no kids, theoretically, then it's a little quieter. There's also not a lot of music there, if any music at all. Usually you Usually only get music bleed over from the main pool, as opposed to like there's no bands playing there, there's no music piped in. So it's a certainly a quieter environment. I think also there's a little more, it's a more of an intimate experience in the solarium because the pool is usually smaller than the main pool. And because everything is enclosed or often enclosed, it kind of has its own little feel to it. And I think for a lot of people, they enjoy having something slightly different. I do believe also that when you're talking about rail creamy ships that have an enclosed solarium and that it is significantly warmer, it can certainly feel like for some people that they want it, they like it hotter, thus they go in there. Um, you know, and the fact that most solariums are on the front of the ship also offers it a unique advantage because it's one of the best places to be able to see. Going forward, oftentimes you're on a, any royal cruise ship, you're looking out and you're often looking sideways or, or aft even, but looking forward is kind of not a common view you have. And what's nice about the solarium is you can actually go over there and enjoy the view looking forward. Uh, a lot of solariums have sliding windows that can be opened by guests on uh, to their preference, so you can poke your head out and see what's going on there. Open the window to get a breeze, close the window to keep the breeze from going out there. You know, it, there's there's a it, it's an interesting experience. I think that when you're talking about the newer ships from Voyager class up, so Voyager, Freedom, Oasis, and Quantum class ships, the experience is pretty similar in that how they're all kind of set up and how the uh, how it kind of runs. It's the smaller class ships, the Vision class ships, the Radiance class ships, where the solariums are a little bit different. The Radiance class ships are supposed to have a sliding solarium, the, meaning the, the roof is supposed to be retractable, although I think that's more theoretical than practical. The quantum class ships also are supposed to be the case. Uh, in fact, the, the quantum class ships also have an indoor pool. That's a, There's an indoor pool and there's a solarium. They're two different pools, which is actually the only kind of royal crimson ship where you have that distinction, We have two indoor pools, essentially. Um, but it's 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 an interesting experience, and what's nice if you have the option uh, for the roofs to open is that theoretically, if it's nice and warm, they can open up the roof and you get a little more breeze in there. But again, it feels like the... The actual opening of the roofs is rare, if it ever happens. In fact, I think some ships have been stuck in the closed position for quite a while. Whether that's a technical issue, like the the, the motors broken, or just they just figured it's just easier to keep it closed than to worry about should it be open today, should it be closed today. Oh, it's raining, let's close it now. You know, like it's just a task that's not worth it. Who knows? It's, that's a good question you could ask the onboard staff for theories and and whatnot that are related to that. On the Oasis class and Quantum class ships. There are actually a special restaurant in the Solarium called the Solarium Bistro. It may go by other names depending on what ship you're talking about, but basically it is a restaurant in the Solarium area where you can go to and, and dine there and enjoy a meal. In most cases, I, I can't think of a situation where it's not. They're open for actually breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're kind of a pseudo sit-down restaurant, meaning you have to be seated, but it's kind of a buff, there's a buffet element to it, so it's kind of a happy medium between totally a buffet and, and a sit-down experience. In most cases, it's complimentary. Like on a of the seas at dinner, it becomes a Brazilian steakhouse. And some other ships, the, it changes the menu, changes the name, in fact. So it's kind of, it can be kind of confusing, quite honestly, in that regard. But in most cases, it's complimentary to dine there. And what's nice about the Solarium Bistro restaurant experience is that it offers something a little bit different. It's not the same menu. Uh, typically, or at least what you're supposed to be, is it's it's allegedly like a healthier menu. Uh, you see a lot more uh, Mediterranean-inspired dishes. There's a lot of salads and and interesting fish dishes, uh, seafood in general, actually. And I like it a lot. It's a great choice. Actually, it's one of the best choices for embarkation day because we have talk about the Windjammer. We talk about even Johnny Rockets or Sabor, but it's very much overlooked the Solarium Bistro. So if it's actually if it happens to be open on embarkation day. I bet you could walk right in there and enjoy little to no weight at all because most people aren't even aware it exists little and think about going there on their embarkation day lunch but it is a really great option in general it gets overlooked I think across all sailings whether we're talking about embarkation day or, or day four of the cruise you know it feels like a lot of people just aren't even aware it's up there and when they do realize it well either they go somewhere else or you know they overlook it hard to say but it shouldn't be overlooked by you I've been guilty of doing this for a long time I overlooked these Slaren Bistro Figuring, it, I, I think, I don't know what my excuse was. I think it was, I thought it was too, too much like frou-frou food, like you know high-end or something like that, but it's not that at all. There's a wide range of food that's available there. In fact, some of the best stuff I've ever had was in the Salerno Beach. I remember one time I had a Moroccan tomato soup that I, I had this on Quantum of the Season, their Slayer Bistro, and I sent a, a message to, to my wife. I texted her and said, you need to find this recipe and make it. Now, of course, I was on a cruise ship. She was not. She wasn't too thrilled with me texting her about things that I want her to do. But <laughs> I'm on a cruise ship, she's not. That didn't really go over that well, believe it or not. Alas, uh, you know, but the point of this story... Is not my marital recommendations, but rather a look at how the uh, you know the, the great food you can enjoy there. And again, it's complimentary in most cases. The exception being the Brazilian Steakhouse on Allure of the Seas. That I can think off the top of my head. There used to be on Quantum of the Seas. It was a specialty restaurant run by a Celebrity Chef. But then that quickly ended, and they ended up reverting that restaurant. And I believe Anthem of the Seas, and if I'm not mistaken, Ovation as well both retain just a solarium bistro instead of having it kind of a specialty restaurant. Regardless, they're complimentary, so it makes it pretty simple. It's just that Allure of the Seas has the Brazilian steakhouse option there. In terms of the day-to-day approach to the solarium, it's really a first-come, first-serve. I kind of feel like the solarium tends to fill up faster than the main pool. First of all, it has less seats than the main pool, so there's that. Also, a lot of adults prefer, or seem to prefer, at least in my opinion, the solarium just because, again, it's enclosed, it's quieter, it's adults only. That seems to draw a lot more. And the, Of course, the, the cushy seats, I don't care who you are or who you want to see. I enjoy cushy seats as much as the next guy. So I feel like if you're going to run out of seats first, it's going to be in the solarium, then the main pool, uh, but something to keep in mind if you want to make a time in the solarium. You know, get up there early. There are usually also some other chairs around the sides, and you can make it work. You know what I mean? Like, you may not get, like, prime seating, but there is usually a seat here or a seat there, especially if you're going by yourself. It's a lot easier to nab a spot for you. There's also a solarium bar and waiter service available in the solarium, so it's pretty easy to get a drink there. Again, I think the appeal of the solarium is truly that it is an adult-only area. And the fact that it's often enclosed and thus feels a little bit warmer gives that more of that tropical feel draws a lot of people to the solarium. And it's become a staple of Royal Caribbean cruises. You go on any ship, you're going to find it there. And it's, it's a nice retreat, really, is what it's all about. And if you're looking for a relaxing pool experience, without I, mean, I love live music, but sometimes you just want to relax. Maybe even take a nap. There's nothing better than a pool nap. I'm just telling you this right now. Oh, it's so good. Um, this is the place for you. The solarium is the go-to spot. And certainly enjoying a swim there, grabbing a drink, you're going to find a lot of other adults thinking the exact same thing. Alright my friends I answer your listener emails. This is the part of the Royal Korean blog podcast where I reach into our virtual inbox and read the emails that you have sent me. And of course you can always send me an email, matt at royal dot blog.com, Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Com. And since Jose Pena started off our show with the question about solariums, so he actually has a second part to it, and it, I would be remiss if I didn't answer that part, because Jose is super awesome. Jose writes, uh, where can someone go if they want to purchase Royal Caribbean gear in general and Royal Caribbean blog gear, thinking of getting my three-month-old daughter a shirt or a teddy bear? Thanks. So I'll answer the easy question. How do you get Royal Caribbean blog gear? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Jose. We actually have a shop set up. I'll post the link in the show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com, but there's actually an easy to remember URL, royalcaribbeanblog.shop, S-H- Joe P. Royal blog.shop brings you right over there. We have t-shirts. I think there's a mug in there. we got sweatshirts. No doubt you'll find something for you and your daughter to enjoy. And in terms of Royal Caribbean gear in general, the by far the go-to place is going to be on, on board a Royal Caribbean ship. You can also find Royal Caribbean gear via, via, I should say, the Royal Caribbean website. There's a Royal Caribbean gifts and gear that you can purchase, but there's not a whole lot of it, and a lot of it is, I, I think about it, it's mostly designated for onboard delivery. So really, if someone asks me, Matt, how do I get a t-shirt, a mug, something Royal Caribbean themed, and I'm not on a ship, My number one answer is always eBay. Uh, There's usually a fair selection of things on there. It's not full by any means, and some of it's obviously going to be used. But as long as you're okay with that, it's probably the best thing. Royal Caribbean really doesn't have a shop to which you can go buy you know, an Explorer of the Seas t-shirt or a Royal Caribbean cruiser hat or something like that. It just really doesn't exist. I'm not sure why. I'm assuming because no one ever really thought there was much demand for it or the, more importantly, I would probably wager to say the amount of effort and money required to run said shop would be, you know, would outweigh any potential monetary gains by selling the merchandise. Who knows? I'm sure, you know, look, if there's anybody who's figured out the ROI on running something like that, it's got to be broken. They got to figure that out already. But, you know, it's a fair point that other than like really eBay. Off a Royal Caribbean ship, you really can't find a whole lot. Now, once you're on board the ship, there's plenty to to, to purchase on board. You'll often find, obviously, that there's many shops on board the ship. There'll often also be sales throughout the cruise. Some of the sales really are just opportunities to buy the same stuff at the same prices in a different area. <laughs> you know, they like, be like, where have a t-shirt sale? And you go back on the other day and it's like, this t-shirt is the exact same price it was during that sale. Not to say that it went up, it's just, you know, there's no real difference. The exception, of course, is always on the last day of the cruise, there's usually a $10 t-shirt sale in which the same 6-10 to 10 t-shirt designs if you've been on many real caribbean you start noticing them but they're 10 bucks and people what's interesting is not that they're 10 dollars but some people I don't want to say they lose their minds but the crowds you see for them makes it look like they're giving them away but, but they're really not it's just usually the same old Royal caribbean t-shirts but hey that's where you load up on them and the 10 dollar sale you know, if if you get there when it first starts, it's bedlam. I mean, just, it it, it resembles something out of a, uh, uh, if you, this is a dated reference that nobody under the age of uh, 25 is going to understand, so sorry, Michael Poole, but the Filene's Basement wedding sale, there used to be once a year, Filene's Basement, which doesn't exist anymore, I think of Macy's Bottom, used to have a wedding dress sale in New York City where you could, basically, you went there, and whatever you could find was, like, super cheap, but... It was always this like massive throng of women rushing to go by, and you would just see it was always the same story every year. You just see people like, you know, elbowing each other and diving for these dresses because it was cheap. It's not quite to that level for the $10 Roller t shirt sale, but it's fairly close uh, in that kind of you, if you get there in the beginning, that's what it looks like. If you come there later on, it's just a mass of T-shirts that used to be organized. And they're not organized anymore. But, of course, if you're particular about a size or a design, you may run the risk of it selling out. But, in my opinion, I mean, I used to get in there. And I used to be like, hey, I want to get my $10 T-shirt. And then I realized, I just, it's fine. If I get it, I get it. If not, you know, whatever. Um, but, something to keep in mind if you're looking for Royal Caribbean gear. But, yeah, if you're not aboard a ship, Jose eBay, my friend. I think it's the best place for you to find that kind of stuff. Thank you for the email and the episode suggestion. Great email. Uh, Next, we have an email from... The Cruise Pirate, a.k.a. Daryl Mullen. Uh-huh. All right, Matt, I gave in and took your advice and used a travel agent. I gave your sponsor, MEI Travel, a try back in August for our upcoming December 2018 cruise. Yes, we book well in advance to guarantee the best price possible. Twice since that booking, she's obtained price reductions for me when I let her know I got a notification that there was a price drop for our upcoming sailing from a third-party website. Very simple process. I emailed her, and within a very short time, I received the updated invoice. No need for me to do anything else. She handled it all. Today, I was dreaming of a cruise, as usual, and decided to peruse the Royal Caribbean website during my lunch break. I found something that grabbed my attention. I traded a few texts with my wife and then shot an email to my new favorite travel agent, Heather. Can you believe it took her a total of 12 minutes to respond? What took her so long? I sarcastically say. To sum it up, Heather was once again very impressive with her responsiveness. I am a very happy cruiser. I must say, Heather Corson has been nothing short of awesome. Proud to say our cruise countdowns now stand at 34 days, 150 days, 390 days. Please pass along my praises for Heather to the insiders at MEI Travel. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for the email. I really, really do enjoy reading emails in which, not of all, you support our sponsor, which is awesome. Thank you, Daryl. But more importantly, they're providing you with that great level of service, and that's what using a travel agent is all about. It's why I always recommend people to use a travel agent whether it's our sponsor or not, but a good travel agent that works well with you so that, you know, Daryl can be sitting there and, you know, on his lunch break, the website. Like, oh, look, here's a sailing that looks kind of interesting. And all he has to do is, in his case, fire off a quick email, you know, and it's taken care of for him. He doesn't have to fill out all that paperwork or, you know, what's the best possible price or all these other things. He can go back to doing, he can go back and listen to his favorite Royal Caribbean podcast. And the meanwhile, his travel agent is working diligently on on the request and taking care of it all for him. This especially works out, obviously, in subsequent cruises, because obviously the first time they need to get all the information for you. But after that point, it becomes so easy, and it just just makes the process so simple. Not to say that Daryl can't do it by himself. Obviously, he's very capable of it, but it's about making his life easier, and I'm all about that as well. So, Daryl, thank you so much for sharing this story. It's wonderful to hear. It's great to hear you booked another cruise. And once again, thank you for supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel. We have uh, another email coming in. It is from uh, Murph, who writes, "I'm anxiously awaiting my cruise on Harmony. This is not a question about checking in at Port Everglades. Am I able to leave my carry my bag, not carry-on, at the curb? If so, will I need a luggage check with my cabin number? or Will they have blank tags to fill out? I've been on twenty plus welcoming cruises and I forget how it works. Thanks to the podcast, your friend Murph. Murph. So when you check in, this is true of any port, whether it's Port Everglades or not. When you arrive at the port, there's a You'll know, obviously get dropped off at the curb one way or another, whether it's taxi or your own car. There will be porters there, and you can provide the porters with any and all luggage you want to have checked. Basically, this luggage will be taken from you, and it'll be delivered to your stateroom later on in that day. Uh, it does help if you have a luggage tag. You can print out your luggage tags via Royal Caribbean's website. Uh, when you do the online check-in, the last document of your cruise documents is a luggage tag. There's also a separate link to quickly print luggage tag. It's the exact same thing. You basically print it off as many as you want. You attach them to your luggage and you're set to go. Now, if you don't have a luggage tag with you, you're far from the first person to ever do that. Usually the porters have luggage tags in their pockets, they can just affix to it. They ask you your your stateroom number and they kinda go from there and and set it all up for you. I recommend printing out the luggage tags. They're color-coded. It makes it a little bit easier. It's just easier for everybody because, you know, it's one less thing for the porter to have to worry about. Certainly you don't have to worry about the the luggage uh, tag, you know, issue later on. It's just it simplifies things if you have it already printed out. But you can take solace in the idea that if you don't have it, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes, you know, we have we thought we were going to carry on a bag and then decided, no, that's really not going to happen. Can we uh, get this one too? No problem at all. And certainly, you know, you just tip the porter a couple dollars, you know, a dollar or two per bag. And you're off to the races and on board the ship. And, again, you can take your carry-on with you as per usual. So hopefully that answers your question. Murph, it's a good one. And we we round out things here with an email from uh, Jen Barkley. Where it's... Matt, quick side note, I was always so against cruising, I thought it was the laziest, most uptight way to travel, ack. Then I got cornered, long story, into going on a Disney cruise on the fantasy with my parents my brother and his family. I fell madly in love. Days not spent on the fantasy became miserable, meaningless days. We've been on two Disney fantasy cruises now, but March 2018, we're we're giving an 11-day Royal Caribbean Serenade of the Seas cruise a go. Right off the bat, the boozy drink situation is a bit of a bummer. You can bring alcohol on Disney cruises, and and soda and coffee is free. Royal Caribbean charges for these seem a bit extreme. But we're excited, and we're going to be going with an open mind, and I guess not expecting it to be anywhere near the quality of Disney cruises. Is that unfair? I know you've been on both, and I'm wondering if there's a possibility that this cruise will be a disappointment on the heels of Disney. And also, so little information about the Serenade refurbishment out there. Have you got any details were all the rooms upgraded or only some? Was anything new and cool added? Just listen to your latest podcast, so I know they'll be using the new app, which is great. You do such a great job. Thanks for your passion and insight. Jen, thank you for the email. And you're mostly there. I think there are some things I would kind of disagree with or rather correct you on. Uh, first of all, coffee is free on Royal Caribbean. There's free coffee. There's premium coffee. In the same way, I think, on Disney, they do the same thing. All right? You can go to Cove Cafe on Disney and get a latte. That costs money, same as a latte, costs money on Real Caribbean in most situations. Uh, But of course, you can just get a hot cup of coffee on both cruise lines and that's included so I just want to make that quite clear also I always point whenever anyone points out the soda is free on Disney I always point out that Disney cruise line fares often cost two to three times more than Royal Caribbean cruise fares so yes while the soda is technically free on, on Disney in certain places it's also <laughs> I, I challenge you to make up that cost in sodas that you're going to pay for on Royal Caribbean you're still going to come out way 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 ahead I do believe here's what I always tell people about who come from Disney to Royal Caribbean because I take special interest in this scenario as I feel like I I used to, I think I've told the story many times. I used to be a a Disney Cruise Line fan. I really did enjoy it, but their pricing became more and more egregious, more and more crazy. And today, I really don't know how anyone can justify the price of cruising on Disney. And I say that because if you come from Disney and you try Royal Caribbean, I really believe this is the conclusion you're going to come. You're going to go on the cruise and you're going to realize a couple things. There are some things that Royal Caribbean does better. There's some things that Disney does better. But overall, they're pretty similar experiences, right? It's not like one is significantly better than the other. Like there's pluses and minuses to everything in life, including Disney and Royal Caribbean. So with that in mind, if they're so similar, which they are, why are you paying two to three times more for Disney? Aha! And that is the moment in which I hope you realize why. That's right, Matt's got a point. There's no reason we need to pay two to three times more. I mean, I like Mickey Mouse and meeting, you know, Cinderella as much as the next person, I mean, certainly my kids do, but it's not to say that I need to pay all that much money more for it. It's still a great family experience on Royal Caribbean. So to say that you're going in with lower expectations or not expecting anything near the quality of Disney cruise lines, I disagree. I think you're going to have a very comparable experience on board. And again, my expectation is that you're not... I'm not going to tell you, Jen, that you're going to go on there. It's going to blow Disney away. It's the most amazing experience ever, and you've never seen anything like it. I think you're going to find it very comparable. And again, if it's that comparable, if you're saying, well, you know... You know, I, I can see, you know, they're very similar experiences. Then why would you ever want to pay two, three times more money? Why would you ever want to go on a cruise line that has significantly less cruise ships to choose from? Significantly less itineraries to choose from, and and so forth. And when you factor all that in there, you look at it, that free soda ain't so free anymore. And that's the that's the that's the epiphany, that's the moment of realization. Clarity in which you say Ah, now I get what Matt is talking about. So, Jen, you're still going to have an awesome time on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I think you're going to have – in fact, I think you're going to have a, a really, really nice time there. Um, on Disney, one other thing you mentioned about the, the, the drink situation. On Royal Caribbean, you can bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom. and uh, Disney allows you to bring, like, beer and stuff like that. You can't do that, but Disney also doesn't offer you unlimited alcohol packages, whereas Royal Caribbean does. So you can help two things. Number one, you can uh, prepay it. So that locks down the price of you know total cost of your of your alcohol consumption on board, and also allows you to prepay it. So your cruise is in I forget what month you said you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise it doesn't matter. But if your cruise oh March 2018 perfect. So when you know you this is this episode coming out in December, you buy the package today. This episode comes out because Jen you you do things right on the off the bat right. You buy it today, so you're, it hits your credit card in January. But that means that's, you know, a couple hundred dollars off there. So you're not paying that money later on. You're not hit with that monster bill at the end of the cruise. It's not it's monster, but you know what? It, it all adds up, right? And so it makes it a little bit easier to to budget for a family. And that's a huge aspect to it, too. So I think there are some distinct advantages to that going forward. But, Jenna, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts when you get on board uh, your, your, your Royal Caribbean cruise. Uh, Serenade of the Seas is obviously it's the size roughly speaking of the Disney Magic and Wonder and it's slightly newer than that I think there's like a 5 to 10 year uh, age gap there. But, uh, you know, it's not the it's not the Oasis-class ships, right? So it's, they don't have zip lining and flow riders on board Serenade. There wasn't a, a major upgrade on Serenade. It was a lot of the refurbishments that happen are just really work that needs to be done. You know, cleaning up, repairing, you know, those things that kind of, you know, under the hood kind of stuff, right? Doesn't make the ship look any different necessarily, but it's improvements nonetheless. Also... When they do these kind of refurbishments, Royal Caribbean really doesn't say anything about it, meaning they don't put out a press release about what's changed or whatnot. It's kind of up to the guests to figure out what really has changed. That often comes in the case of either discovering things like, hey, that looks new or that looks refurbished, or and or uh, talking to crew members and they can have a better idea of what's been changed. But again, this wasn't – Royal Caribbean sometimes has refurbishments, which add like a ton on board the ship, and it's like, whoa, there's new restaurants and new staterooms and all this kind of stuff. Uh, this wasn't one of those – Refurbishments where there was a major PR piece behind it. It's just, you know, much needed. It's just needed work, really, is what it is. So, you know, every couple of years, every ship requires work. Usually it's about every five years or so. That's the number I have always keep seeing quoted. And so that should be kind of your expectation going there. But I think is a wonderful ship. I mean, it's really a, it's a beautiful ship. It has a great connection to the sea. I mean, the glass everywhere. you can going to be able to see the ocean all over the place. And if you've been on the—I know you mentioned the Fantasy, which is bigger— but if you'd been on the Wonder or Magic, the Disney Wonder or Magic, I think you'd find Serenade fairly similar in terms of layout and whatnot. But looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Jen. Uh, I think if you're talking about the fantasy, though, if you're looking for a one-to-one or more one-to-one relationship, I would I would probably tell you like a Freedom uh, class ship would be a really good uh, c- comparison for that. But that's just means another cruise you get to book going forward, Jen. So thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails here. Really do appreciate you taking part of your uh, day to talk Royal Caribbean with me here on the podcast. And, of course, you can always email me your thoughts about cruising or maybe have a question about your upcoming cruise. Would love to hear about it. Uh, and you can always do so by sending me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at CaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.